Tonight on Huckabee, Tennessee Congressman Chuck Fleischman, former White House Deputy Press Secretary Hogan Gidley, celebrity fitness trainer Dan Isaacson, country singer-songwriter Stephanie Quayle. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! And welcome, everybody. We have a fantastic audience here in the theater. So very excited to have them, and we're excited to have you watching with us right here from Hendersonville, Tennessee, just oh, outside oh, of Nashville. Excuse me. Yes? I, I, I hate to interrupt you. No, you didn't. You just enjoyed Never it. So what? Well, a... actually, I did. Oh, okay. Somebody had a birthday this week. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I did. And I always thought you to be a truthful man, but... I'm not believing 49. Uh, it's pretty close to he that. He said 49. Let me just say I'm celebrating several anniversaries of my 49th birthday. <laughs> there you go. Well, happy birthday. Thank you very happy much. Birthday. Big Appreciate hand it. for the governor. Thank you. Yes, indeed. He made it another year in politics. <laughs> you know, I've had a, a bunch of birthdays, but I got to tell you, it sure beats taking the dirt nap, right? Okay? Oh, yeah. So I'm happy about it. I'm We're here. Happy too. I'm vertical, I have a pulse, my lungs are still pumping air, life's good. <laughs> At least for me. Well, a couple of news items this week may not seem related, but I would suggest that they are. First of all, it was reported that home prices fell by the largest drop since 2011, and new home sales crashed to the lowest since January of 2016. So the record sales prices for homes, which we've been having, has started to decline, and it is no longer a seller's market. And the second big story is that President Biden wants to wipe out at least $10,000 of student college loans for people earning less than $125,000 a year, or if it's a family, $250,000 per family. And you may wonder, how are those stories related? I'm about to tell you. You see, when Democrats are faced with the painful consequences of dumb policies that miserably fail, they instinctively run to their favorite play in their playbook. They give away stuff. That's what they do. I mean, what else have they got this close to the midterm elections? When gas prices doubled under Joe Biden's brainless energy policies in which he shut down domestic energy independence that we finally had achieved for the first time in 75 years under President Trump, the Democrats came along and passed a massive spending bill in the name of fighting climate change. Now, that bill contained provisions that would weatherize homes and buy heat pumps for poor people. And Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm touted the big news that moderate-income Americans can save 30% on buying a bunch of items to weatherize their homes. Wow. I mean, if you're barely eking out a living, 
Just go out there and spend tens of thousands of dollars on home improvements, and the government will give you a 30% discount for the stuff you bought, but that you really can't afford. How is that for government brilliance? And then when the news about the housing market revealed that due to higher interest rates and inflation, housing values and sales have tanked, that's when President Biden announces that he's got a plan to cancel $10,000 of student debt for people who borrowed the money, but either can't or won't pay it back. Now that's gonna cost $400 billion of your money. Yeah, you heard that right, $400 billion. About $2,000 per American. That's what it's gonna cost you as a taxpayer. You pay in your 2,000 and some lucky soul who didn't pay his or her student loan gets 10,000 bucks wiped out. Now Democrats are good at the sleight of hand tricks that draw attention away from bad news by making up something that sounds like good news. But they are really best at giving away other people's money and claiming to be doing a good deed as if they had paid it out of their own pockets. Folks, the student loan giveaway is especially disgusting because it means that people who work very hard every day to pay off their home loans, car loans, business loans, and daily expenses, and who didn't have enough money to go to college, are now gonna be forced to pay off the loans of the people who did go to college by willingly borrowing the money, and now some of them are making up to $250,000 per family. The only thing worse is that there are actually people in the country who are gonna fall for this shell game and think, they're being invited to a free dinner without realizing that they themselves are paying the bill and even expected to leave a big tip on top of it. As Joe Biden would say, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, families making $250,000 a year are hardly poverty stricken. So why do Democrats think people smart enough to go to college, but not smart enough to only borrow the money that they can afford to pay back ought to have their loans paid off by people who couldn't afford college in the first place or who worked their backsides off to pay for it themselves. You know, chumps like me who worked 40 hours a week taking 20 hours a semester of classes to get a degree that I paid for, man, I feel stupid. I should have just waited. <laughs> Borrowed the money, had a great time in school, kicked back and just had fun and waited until Uncle Joe came along and said, forget about it. Now, if this is smart economic policy, I would say, why stop at loans for college? Why not pay off people's cars? Are there medical bills? Are there dental bills? Why not pay off the debt they have from buying a house or furniture or from their last vacation for that matter? Because <laughs> if the Democrats can buy your vote, hey, they'll do it but they aren't giving you anything that you don't pay for yourself eventually. Here's a better idea. This November, fire the Democrats and tell them you can't afford them. You just can't afford them. Now, give the other guys a chance. Hey, they aren't perfect. I'll be the first to admit that. But they can't screw up the country worse than it's already been for the party that's in charge of everything right now. But if you really want to keep the Democrats in charge after November, then I would ask this. Just demand that they forgive everybody's loan for everything.
All of this and more is why you should get to the polls this November and vote for men and women like my next guest who push for fiscal and personal responsibility, which, of course, means pushing back against the establishment. Tennessee Congressman Chuck Fleischman is going to be with us right after the break. Do not go away. Huckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Chuck Fleischman is a Republican serving Tennessee's third district in the U.S. Congress. He says his colleagues across the aisle better look out in November as Americans are headed to the polls to put an end to some of the radical policies of the last two years. Americans want inflation lowered affordable energy and gas, our police funded, and the border secured. Please welcome back to the show, Congressman Chuck Fleischman. Congressman, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. You recently voted against the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, Congressman, you must be some kind of congressional killjoy. <laughs> you voted against this bill that's going to reduce inflation and make us more economically powerful. Why did you do that? Well, the Democrats couldn't even get the euphemism right on this one. They got the title of the bill wrong and they quickly pivoted, but what a bad bill for America. Not only is it inflationary, but Mike, can you imagine a time when the other side of the aisle, the Democratic majority, would actually champion 87,000 new IRS agents. They took six times the budget of the IRS. And what was worse about it, Mike, they were proud of it. I called them out on the House floor. I thought they'd try to lie their way out of it. No, they embraced it. Well, guess what? We're going to embrace that in America, and we're going to take back the House. I mean, a lot of us were stunned. Stunned that they thought that it was a good idea to put 87,000 new IRS agents and then arm them with lethal weapons. I'm wondering, what are they going to do if somebody, you know, didn't uh, properly report their... $30 church gift, they're going to get shot or something? I mean, <laughs> this is weird stuff. It's bad stuff. It's beyond weird. Uh, I thought the Democratic Party was, was horrific when I went to Congress in 2011. It's far worse now. Uh, when you think of the different things, just when you think they can't get any worse, they do it. They just did it recently with this last bill that they passed. Uh, but the American people are fed up, and I trust the American people and not the American government. We're going to get it right in November. We need to take back the House, but we need to take back the Senate as well. Well, I hope that happens. And, you know, I know I've been pretty tough on the Democrats, but let me say in fairness, there used to be a time when Democrats, many of them were pro-life, many of them were pro-Second sure. Amendment, uh, many of them were conservative and fiscal. I mean, John F. Kennedy would not recognize his party today. He, he really was a fiscal hawk. Uh, he was strong on national defense. Um, you know, he, he believed in lower taxes. I, I looked, he was pro-life. And he loved this country. And Without he stood a doubt. up for this country. And even Democrats in the modern era who we disagreed with, a Hubert Humphrey ran against Richard Nixon, would talk about family language, family values. Yeah. That entire degree of rhetoric is totally gone from their party. Uh, they have gone from 
a center-left party to a far-left party, and they're looking at the polls. The reason they're pivoting even further left is they know they're going to have a bad November, so what they're trying to do is go further left to keep that base so that they'll at least come out, that radical left-wing base. But I think the American people are fed up with their policies, and uh, we've got to change it. You know, I mean, I remember the Sam Nuns, uh, the Scoop Jacksons. There were some really terrific Democrat members of Congress, both in the House and the Senate. And now it's AOC, it's the squad, it's Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Speaking of which, uh, she thinks this is a great idea to go out and just wipe these student loans away. But this is an expensive proposition. Where does that money come from? Sadly, it comes from our children and our grandchildren. Mike, at a time where we are $30 trillion in debt. Now, bear in mind, when you were kind enough to endorse me when I ran for Congress quite a few years ago, thank you, sir, our national debt was $15 trillion. It's over 30 now. What we are doing is we are mortgaging the future of America, our children, our grandchildren. I saw an estimate today that this Joe Biden, in my view, an unlawful forgiveness of this $10,000 or in some cases 20, could cost the United States taxpayers as much as a trillion dollars. It's outrageous, it's wrong, and the American people need to stand up. And guess what? They are calling my office in droves saying, please, stop this, stop this. This is fundamentally wrong. So how does a president, executive branch, get away with just unilaterally saying, I'm going to wipe out this loan? That money's not been appropriated for that. It has not been appropriated. And really, this is where our country needs a total recalibration. I think we have to get back to the fundamentals that our great founding fathers, and they were great founding fathers, gave us in our Constitution. Checks and balances, but government within its lane. The executive branch should not have the power to do this under any administration. Can you sue them? Can can members of Congress say, hey, you don't have that power. We're suing you in federal court. We can challenge this in court. And the other thing that I've been so upset about with President Biden is his use of the executive pen. His executive orders from day one, soon as he got sworn in, after he talked about being a president for all America, well, he's been a president for the radical left. He went back to the White House and started signing executive orders that have really eroded the, the greatness of our republic. That's why in 2024, we're going to get a Republican president and we're going to X out a lot of those terrible executive orders. We've got to do it. Well, I hope it happens. And I hope as a president who respects the totality of the Constitution. We only have a, a few seconds left, but I've got to ask you, you've been out in your district for the past couple of weeks talking yes. to the people. Uh, that you work for. These are your bosses out there. What do your bosses in the district over in East Tennessee, what do they tell you? What do they ask of you? Well, Mike, the people of this nation are sovereign, okay? That's where the authority comes from, from the people. I've been out with the wonderful people of East Tennessee, my constituents. They're concerned about the direction of our great country. We still have a great country. We have a great republic. They're concerned about inflation. They're concerned about our moral values. They're concerned about our foreign policy. Think about the, the botched withdrawal that we had from Afghanistan after 20 years of really good work. I mean, Joe Biden just caved in, didn't listen to his military leaders. They're they're concerned about things, but I'm gonna tell you this. The people of East Tennessee, and I believe the people of this country believe in God, believe in our great constitution, believe in the greatness of America, and 
We're going to get this country back in November, and then we're going to win in 2024. And let's hope and pray that we can get this country back on track because the best years of America are yet to come. Don't listen to the Democrats. Vote Republican. Let's get it done right. And if you guys, my fellow Republicans, get elected and you don't do it and you go up there and wimp out, I'm going to be all over your case. I promise you that because we've got a lot on the line. So, uh, Congressman, I have a feeling you're going to be fighting a good fight. And I appreciate so much you being here. For our audience, you can keep up with Congressman Fleischman by heading over to Huckabee.tv. We've got all the links that you can follow the congressman on social media. Keith Billery, might you tell us what we have coming up next in the show? Well, don't get too comfy in that easy chair. Celebrity fitness trainer Dan Isaacson is about to show us how to stay in shape. Later, the music of Stephanie Quayle. Still ahead on Huckabee. Welcome back, everybody. Now, if you have not joined us here in our Nashville studio, what are you waiting for? I mean, we've got some incredible shows coming up in the next couple of months, and we'd love to see you here in our theater. Just go to Huckabee.tv and click on free tickets. That's right, free tickets. And really is free. And you can book your tickets for a great evening with us. And I hope you plan to stick around after the show because I'd like to personally meet you. My next guest developed the first personal training centers in Paramount and Sony Pictures. He was fitness editor for Good Morning America, personal trainer to an array of movie stars that you know. I mean, you know, names like John Travolta, Michael Keaton, Olivia Newton-John, Tom Hanks, and Margaret, Billy Crystal, Mike Huckabee. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I could have used him. Would you please welcome the original celebrity personal trainer, Dan Isaacson. Dan, great having you here. Thank you. You know... I would have to think that if you're a fitness expert, that the coolest job in the world is to be hired by movie studios to work with the most famous people in the world. Oh, I would agree. It was interesting when it started. It was the movie Staying Alive. Uh, it, was, yeah, it was years ago, and uh, really, John Travolta was doing Summerstock, really, theater at Snowmass Asthma, Colorado. I was the athletic consultant there, and I was, he asked me to train him for the movie Staying Alive, which was a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Now, in a week, that's going to be 40 years since we started this train, this movie in 1982. But the reality is that personal training didn't really exist then. And so after that movie came out and his transformation, uh, Lily, my wife Kim and I never left LA because we were all of a sudden training John Voight, Tom Hanks, uh, Tony Orlando, Clinton Lisa Hart, Clint Black, Lisa Hartman. Yeah. And, the, and uh, it went on and on and on. So your career, I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, it's just an amazing thing. The studios ask you to come and work for them to get their stars in shape for their movies. Did you have some pushback from sometimes these celebrities who said, nah, I don't need all that stuff? Not really, you know. It's interesting. The celebrities that we've worked with was such a blessing. I mean, when you think of the great people that we had, the array of people every day to work with, they always were, and you take, for like Tom Hanks, for, we did three films with Tom back to back. Philadelphia, 
uh, Forrest Gump and Apollo 13, mm. two of which he won wow. the Academy yeah. Award for, for Best Actor. Yeah. So they're disciplined, and it's great. At Sony Pictures, we were under contract. We did all the work for Sony, TriStar, and Columbia. Ah. Now, I understand you've done some rather dangerous things yourself. Did you ever ride a bull? Yes, I did. <laughs> I wrote, On purpose? Yes. You did that? You, you have a picture somewhere? <laughs> no. Uh, I did ride a bull in Aspen, Colorado. It was a celebrity bull ride that we put together. Dumbest thing I've ever done. I would think so. I, I mean, you know, I'm I think you're an, field. You an intelligent be, guy, but Dan, what were you thinking? Well, the good news is when I got that one picture, I went, ran over to my wife and said, did you get the picture? She says, I don't know. I, well, you weren't on very long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I love this show because part of what we do in fitness is we have physical fitness, we have mental fitness, and we have spiritual fitness. Yeah. I think the message for me here, I want to make sure that I get out, is that laughter is such a great mental fitness. Mm. And this show is really everything that you'd ever want to do to have great mental fitness. You have music, you have laughter, you have creative things all the time. It's, it's wonderful. A beautiful theater. Oh, thank you. I think it's a great aerobic dance studio. You know, I think it could be that. <laughs> you know, maybe you should uh, see if you could train one of our cast members. Well, you know what? I tell you what, what, that would be a great idea. I've actually, since I know that you were going to ask me that, yeah. I brought in one of my own trainers here from Hendersonville to work with us. Okay. He also has a nickname. It's Nitro. Nitro. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. So are you going to go do We're going to do a little workout. So okay. We can get Nitro out here. Where is uh, Nitro? Who is this guy? This is Nitro. Hey, Nitro. Like I said earlier, I hadn't done this in 30 years. <laughs> uh, All right, well, Nitro, have a, a seat because you're now in the driver's seat of your body. Uh, and what we obviously, wanna, yeah. What we want to get across here is that the idea is that we need to walk every day. We know that research has shown us that if you're physically active, you can reduce the risk of heart disease, cancer, uh, and a variety of other things, including COVID. We found that recent research now in terms of hospitalization and also the ability to get back to square one after COVID is much better if you've been active. Wow. So if you're in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, please be active. Active means 30 minutes a day of walking, brisket walking, and also two weeks, two days of what we're gonna do here today. We're gonna do a workout with you. We're gonna actually, we're gonna, we're gonna actually work joints, and we're gonna get all the way through midsection, all the way to the top. If it's okay, are you good ready? Luck. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Let's give him a big round of applause before we start. Yeah, hey. we need all the help we can get. Come on. All right, all right. So here we go. Now I'm ready. Very simple. Sit up nice and tall. Chin's gonna be parallel with the floor. Pull those shoulders down and slightly back. That that's great. Bring your My shirt. Feet, are, feet are gonna be shoulders width apart, a little foot in front of you. Now we're just put, extend one leg to begin with. You're gonna actually press down like you're on the gas pedal. Bring it back. That's it. Warm up that ankle. Very good. The other ankle, please, now. Nice. Keep the abs nice and tight. Step a little straighter there, Keith. There Feel the burn, go. Keith. I'm Feel the burn. It. I'm doing really well. Very good. Now we're gonna just, just gonna extend the knee out like this and fire up the other upper thigh and slowly pull it down using the uh, underneath part. It's called the hamstrings. Other side, toes straight up the ceiling, pull down. Look at this audience, pull That's down. Right. They're mesmerized. I know it. Now this is great, we go from a seated position to a standing position. 
Most people don't realize it's a really big deal because we have a center of gravity. So what I want to do is put feet, heels back a little bit farther. Okay. The idea is now we're going to get on the edge of the seat. We're going to go all the way forward like a bowing position. You'll actually feel a liftoff of your lower body when you find that. Keith, mm -hmm. it should be now. Come up. Straight up. <laughs> all the way up. And put all the pressure on your heels. Feel the glutes tighten. Oh, yeah. And slowly bring your... <laughs> we have uh, liftoff. I love this show. Okay. We have that was great. Now let's walk around. What we're going to do now, we're going to... How are we doing, Governor? Is he going to make it? I don't know. We, we have a cart, <laughs> a crash cart standing by. Thank you. Okay. okay. Raise, other side of now it. we're going to do the other thing. Slowly okay. raise this hip up. Yeah. That's hip flexion. I can feel it. I know you can. Now we're going to do hip extension. Back of the chair, just bring your straight leg slightly back, and now back to center. Take it back, and back to center. That's very good. Other leg, you're doing really well. Thank you. And back to center. Now we get to go back to the chair, because now you're going to do another thing we want to do. We're going to slowly round our back down one time, one vertebrae at a time, and stretch your spine, spinal flexion, and slowly come up. Ooh, that Inhale. Feels good. Yeah. And now slowly reach down and pick up your water bottles. Keith, you okay over there? You gonna make, <laughs> huh? you, you make it okay? I think so. All right. <laughs> now, Governor, you can give us any tips you would like as we're going through this. I, I, I'm mesmerized I by the entire you thing. Were. Totally. It's so, the heaviest weight I can lift. I, so right. now we great. <laughs> scoot up in the edge of the chair. Just okay. want to put our upper arms against our body. Okay. We're slowly going to curl our palms toward our okay. shoulders, that's it, hold it. Remember we did slowly down and back up. This is one pound. You're doing very well. Thank you. Now lean forward a little bit. We're gonna do what is called a kickback and just now take the bottle back, extend the elbow back and you'll feel that in the back of your arms. Uh -huh. And finally, we're gonna put this up and we're gonna press forward and press these oh, bottles I, together. I got my bottles wrong here. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nitro, come on. Come on. I mean, we we okay. rehearsed this before. Yes, I know. I... Uh, just isometric contract, five, four, three, two, one. You'll feel that in your chest. Slowly huh? bring the elbows back. And now press forward and hold. There you go. And there you have very easy exercises to do at home with water bottles. Very good. All right. Let's give them a hand. I can do this. We've decided, Keith, he's got what it takes. That's right. Now, if you want to know more about Very Dan good. Isaacson, if you want to ask him questions about your own lifestyle transformation, if you go to Huckabee.tv, we will connect you to Dan. Now, we're going to ask Keith, if he's not too winded, please tell us, Keith, what's coming up next. Well, up next, midterm focus with Hogan Gidley and later comics... Comic Chris Wineland on
Well, let's give that band a big hand. Trey Corley, the Music City Connection. Well, maybe you've always dreamed of traveling in the land of the Bible and walking where Jesus walked. You can see those dreams come true next February the 11th through the 22nd. I'm going to be leading a trip to Israel. You're going to see with your own eyes the places of the Bible, and you'll come home with a different person and a different perspective. Now, I'm not sending you there. I'm going to go with you. So I hope you will go to thegreatesttrip.com and sign up today and go with me to Israel. Live your dream. Go to Israel with me next year. Well, as we head into the November midterm elections, we at The Huckabee Show want to focus on information that can best help you make informed decisions at the ballot box, as well as feel confident that your vote really matters. My next guest is director of the Center for Election Integrity at the America First Policy Institute. He served as principal deputy press secretary in the Trump administration. You probably saw him on television many times. And once upon a time, this guy actually worked for me when I served as governor of Arkansas. A very dear friend, would you please welcome to the show, Hogan Gidley. Great having you here. Always good to see you. First things first, happy birthday. Thank you very much. I'm so glad that, that you're celebrating this milestone. Also, another milestone coming up. You will be forever known as the best governor in the history of the state of Arkansas for about two more months. Watch it. Watch it. And you'll then, never get invited back. Never get invited back. Peg. All right. It's okay. Sean Hannity tells me that every time That's I right. see him. He's right. And it's okay. I hope she is better than me. Yeah. I really well, do. She, she learned from the best, and she's doing it the right way. Well, she's working hard at it. But, you know, we all worry about not so much who gets elected, but how do they get elected? Right. Are the elections going to be fair? I had someone ask me yesterday, can I trust the election process? Is it going to be okay? What do you tell people like that? Well, the good news is it's getting better. I think people understand that for decades in this country, we've been faced with issues of irregularities, illegalities, anomalies, and yes, fraud. Um, and at the Center for Election Integrity, we're trying to make it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. Hmm. And as you know, the, state, uh, the Constitution of this country um, gives that right and responsibility over to state legislatures to figure out uh, the time, place, and manner of elections. And in the 2020 cycle, and the 2016 cycle, we saw people on the right and the left They've been complaining about this for so long, yeah. Governor, and they, they refuse to do something about it once they win because then they all say the election was fine. Yeah. But we know good and well that um, one of the biggest problems in this, in this uh, country is that people have lost that faith, trust, and confidence in the process. And so we're working with state legislatures to pass good laws, and we've had a lot of victories in states like Pennsylvania and states like Missouri yeah. turning around their laws and doing several things that really help instill that confidence back in the process. So there's more happening on the front end where it has to happen, because once the election is over, it's almost impossible to do anything about it. Even, even if you could say, well, we found evidences of fraud, doesn't matter. You just about can't undo it once it's done. One of the things we did when we were working in a small project in Virginia, for example, we realized too, if you could stop those votes from being cast and put them in that provisional pile, Ooh, you could win a lot more court challenges that way because the signatures didn't match or the address was wrong or 25 people were registered in one P.O. box. So you knew there were problems. Mm. So it's all about stopping them on the front end, which the laws will do. But as you remember in 2020, a lot of these states just 
ignored their laws. You had rogue governors yeah. and secretaries of state, and attorneys general, just saying, no, we're going to just ignore the law and do it this certain way, not going through the legislatures. We're trying to have a return to normalcy and beef up some of those laws in these states. Will there be like an army of attorneys watching problem poll places that historically have had issues? I sure hope so. You remember in, um, in Arkansas, we used to joke that if you, you didn't win the cemetery vote, you weren't even going to win an Absolutely. election. No question. Yeah. In fact, as I, I give speeches all over the country, and, and one person came up to me and said, I was so angry when I found out that my parents had voted for Joe Biden, I swore I would never visit their gravesite ever again. <laughs> I wasn't going to put flowers out or anything. Uh, you know, but like in a state like Michigan, uh, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, a group we're partnering with, they found 25,000 dead people on, on the roll in Michigan. 5,000 of which had been there for 15 years. Wow. So this is a systemic problem across the country. I think, though, the light is being shed on it. And look, the left hates transparency. So whether it's teaching critical race theory in school or transing our kindergartners, they don't want light shed on everything or FBI raids uh, on a certain former president. So as we start to get these things out in the light, it really makes people understand. And by the way, regardless of what the media says, this is so popular on the right and the left. 85% of people in this country want photo identification, not voter identification, yeah. photo identification. I don't understand why anybody would be against that. Right. We have to use it for everything we do. Everything else, proving you are who you say you are. But there aren't examples where the elections really turn out okay. Florida in 2000 was a disaster. Sure. That's where the Bush-Gore thing all came down to, and everyone knew that Florida's election laws were a mess. To the credit of Jeb Bush, he went to his legislature. They came up with a system. You know, Florida is one of the biggest states in the country. The entire election was settled by 10 o'clock no on question. election night, and there were no controversies, none, about right. the results. Every state could do that if they wanted to. They could, and Florida learned from their past. So remember the, the dimpled chads and the hanging ballot, yeah. the hanging chads, dimpled ballots? That's been replaced with mass mail-in and drop boxes. So it's still a problem. The left obviously complaining about 2016. Remember, it was your patriotic duty to question the outcome of 2016. If you yeah. didn't, you were working with Vladimir Putin. You were a Russian stooge, yeah. for heaven's sakes. Now in 2020, you say, hey, wait a minute. I went to vote, and they said someone else had already voted for me. And they're like, insurrectionist. You should go to jail. The whole thing is turned on its head and insane. But states like Florida have led the way. Even DeSantis did something really recently and found 20 or so people committing fraud and has some fraud task force that puts them in jail. I mean, this is what you have to do because, look, the left will say there's not enough fraud to overturn an election, not enough illegality to overturn an election. One illegal or miscounted vote is one too many in this country because it's theft. Yeah. It takes away someone's legitimate vote. And what we have to do is work in these states to protect every legal vote and every legal voter. And I know we can do it. I loved what you said, make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. Hogan Gidley, thank you very much for being here. You can check out more from Hogan on social media and you should. You can follow the links that we've got for you at Huckabee.tv. Right now, you need to follow along with Keith Bilbrey because he's going to tell us what we have coming up next. Well, prepare yourself to laugh yourself silly. Comedian Chris Wineland is just ahead on Huckabee.
get your very own Made in the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. Welcome back. My next guest quit writing for late-night comedy to become one of the most in-demand, clean Christian comedians and writers. He's a social media star. He's even got a book that tells the story of Jesus from a comedian's perspective. Would you please welcome back to the show the very hilarious Chris Weinland. Thank you, thank you. Well, you know, I should start off with this. I am a millennial, and I am sorry. <laughs> That's right, I, I know you all hate us, and I apologize. <laughs> I, I'm sorry for introducing gluten and gluten-free. That was us. I, I, I'm sorry for everything you claim we've done to you, which is ironic because you also claim we haven't done anything, so. <laughs> Make up your mind, you know? Where are my millennials? Raise your avocado toast at me. Who's here? Couple millennials in here. Don't worry, we're friends. I'll see you tomorrow at brunch. Here's, here's the deal. We love brunch, right? We love a lot of things, millennials. And, and that's what I love about my generation. But we have a bad reputation. That's the problem. Because you guys think that we're easily offended and we cry too much. And that just makes me feel like You're not listening to my truth. <laughs> Gen X's, if you will, Gen X's, that's the generation above me. You guys don't know how to cry, but you do know how to eat snacks. <laughs> that is a statistical fact. Gen Xers are the best snackers in the world. My dad could lose his job, his house, his everything, and I would not see a tear fall from his face but I would see him eat a Girl Scout cookie. <laughs> and if you're sitting here trying to figure out right now if you're Gen X, here's the question you need to ask yourself. Do you have snacks in your bedroom? <laughs> if you do, you love 80s music and you are a Gen X. Now you guys are the best snackers, but I'll tell you who the worst snacker is and that's Gen Z. They're the generation after me. Worst snackers ever. Never ask a Gen Z to go and get you a snack because they'll be gone in the kitchen for an hour because they're too busy doing a YouTube tutorial. <laughs> and and uh, you know what? I, wanna, I, I, I don't see too many Gen Zs here, so let's talk about them real quick. <laughs> they are the meanest group of people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Have you met these people? Gen Zs are mean. They're the reason millennials cry too much. They're so mean. <laughs> I think if Gen Z's were an animal, I think we'd all agree they'd be Chihuahua. <laughs> because, because Chihuahuas are only nice to other Chihuahuas. The moment you walk by, they just wanna bite your head off for no reason. I don't get it, that's not our problem with millennials, at least we're not that bad. You know, millennials, our problem is, we wanna be heroes, but we're not heroes at all. That's our problem. I'll give you an example. I saw a guy my age, he had jeans, holes in his jeans that he had patched up himself. I walked up to him, I said, dude, love those jeans. He said, thanks, they're a rescue. <laughs> a rescue, what does that mean? What, were they gonna euthanize your jeans? What, was Sarah McLaughlin gonna sing while they're in a cage in the back? 
not a hero. If anything, millennials are not heroes. If anything, we're more like villains in a comic book. We have way too much in common with a villain in a comic book. For instance, we feel misunderstood. We love animals more than we love people. We are obsessed about the environment in a creepy way. And we laugh even when we're depressed. Like that's Joker, Ivy, and the Penguin all rolled into one. And, and villains in comic books, they don't have real jobs. Millennials, we don't have real jobs. Have you ever asked a millennial what he does for a living? He looks at you like he's hoping you give him the answer. And the real answer is we're all Uber drivers. That's the real answer. It's true. We all drive. It's because we're into technology. I feel like technology has changed us. It's made us dumb, you know? Like, have you ever gotten to the store with somebody and you text, you, you guys split up, you want to meet back up, you text them, hey, where are you? And they reply, I'm over here. of a text is that? I, I once went to a grocery store with a buddy of mine. I texted him, hey man, where are you so we can meet back up? He sent me his location via Google map. <laughs> Do you know what pops up? The address to the building I'm in. <laughs> what does he think it's gonna say, Melon Isle? That's what he's supposed to say. He's supposed to say Melon Isle. And then I finally said, man, why'd you do that? And he said, no worries, no worries. That's our millennial lingo. We say no worries. We have phrases. My favorite phrase right now is, that's ghetto. You ever hear us say that? We'll say it about everything that is not ghetto. <laughs> we'll be at a coffee shop and be like, oh, you guys don't have oat milk? <laughs> that's ghetto. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, that's not ghetto. I'll tell you what ghetto is. The fact that you're 32 and you still live in your parents' basement. <laughs> that is ghetto. Thank you, guys. I'm Chris Wyman. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Chris Wyman. Hey, if you want to see more of Chris Wyman's comedy, be sure and follow his hilarious social media and YouTube channels. You can also find his inspiring book, The Great Heckle. Just go to Huckabee.tv for all the links. We've got them there for you because I know you're going to want more of what Chris is making you laugh about tonight. Right now, Keith, I'm not going to heckle you, but you got to tell us who's coming up on the show next. Well, that'll be a first. Hey, pull on your cowboy boots and get ready for the terrific music of Stephanie Quayle up next on Huckabee. Next week for documentary filmmaker Ami Horowitz and actor Kirk Cameron. Well, tonight's musical guest is a truly independent artist. CMT named her one of their next women of country. She's appeared on the Grand Ole Opry numerous times and one of Rolling Stone's artists you need to know. Her new self-titled album is called Stephanie Quayle. You know why? Because that's her name.
Please welcome Stephanie Quayle. Wasn't that cool? I said, and the reason they call her album is Stephanie Quayle, because that's her name. There you are. That's right. You know, Stephanie, last time you were here, you didn't even do music. You just talked no. about your incredible experience going all over the country in an RV, and that was fun. That was fun. But we're talking music tonight. We're talking music. Look at all the faces. I know, and they're going to love your music tonight. Oh, wow. I'm so excited you're here to sing and perform. It's a thrill. It's the greatest job. I can't believe it's my life. I wake up every day going, oh, But you know, you- Don't uh, screw it up today. You are a genuine cowgirl. You live in yes, Montana. Yes. And, and so you've kept close to your roots. Yeah. How has that been so important to you as an artist? I think it's been important because, as we all know, this business is bonkers. Mm -hmm. And I think when you lose your own compass, it's very easy to make- Difficult decisions, more difficult. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I have such an incredible family in Montana uh, between my family, my husband, my stepkids, and then, of course, my family, family that lives there. They just keep me, you know, they keep me in check, <laughs> as do my horses. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really grateful that I can get back there and remember why I do this, because the business sometimes can shift the creative. Yeah. And I'm really focused on allowing the creative to do what it needs to do and let the business be what the business is. When you took on this particular project, the new album, yeah. um, was there a single goal? Was there something you wanted to get across in the album? Because oh. you wrote some of the stuff yourself and then you got some other material. But, Absolutely. Uh, what, what was it you said, boy, I hope my fans get this from? That's, this a, that's a great, great job. <laughs> <laughs> great question. I, well, this was recorded during COVID. Yeah. We recorded this whole album virtually. So I think for me, it's a really a testament to finding a way. Mm -hmm. And then it was all, all about, you know, I love love and the journey with love from, you know, loving yourself, loving your kids, loving your family, loving your husband. And it's, it's a love fest, this album. And also, you know, the last song, which we'll be playing tonight, Like yeah. My Way, when we got a hold of that song, I remember sitting at the piano. I didn't know how we were going to record these songs virtually. I was in the farm in North Carolina. The band was in Nashville and LA, and we just found a way. So it really spoke to, you know, when you want it, you'll find a way. Mm. And to be able to share that music now and be here and just know that we're, you know, on the other side. And, uh, and, and I'm just such a possibility thinker, and uh, I'm really proud of the music. You should be, because it's terrific music, and our entire audience is about to find that out, because that's what we're going to do. You. you just have an extraordinary charisma and warmth. Oh. And I just want to tell you, of the many artists that we've had, we just really enjoy having you here, because you're such a genuinely nice person. A little bit of a weirdo. No, you've got, <laughs> you've got great you talent. Our sound check. You just glow with it. Let's go make some music. What I do you say? I love it. Let's do All it. Right. Sounds perfect. So while Stephanie is going to get ready to perform, our own Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us how to hear more of the wonderful music of Stephanie Quayle. For Stephanie's tour dates, website, and social media, plus find her amazing music, visit Huckabee.tv. You can also watch an exclusive performance of her song, Hang My Hat. Now performing Light My Way with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass. Here's Stephanie Quayle!
Be the 